what is going on people we are back once again myself stish and my sparring partner quinny i'm going to turn my phone on silent notifications coming through big up everyone you're in here nice and early shout outs to ian so rare in the chat he's used his uh prime subscription to uh to, to chuck us a little bone thank you for that uh if you are listening on the podcast we are live as always on twitch.tv forward slash plastician and if you're watching in the future you're probably watching via quinny 3001 on youtube you can use both of those channels to interact either live or in the future with the podcast we love the comments love the interaction so please do join us um whenever you can wherever you may be big shout out to everyone who's in the chat we've got a nice little contingent in there already uh quinny how has your game week been how has your week been in general good to see you as always mate well, uh, great, great to see you, Stitchy Boy, looking uh, looking slick Rick as ever. Um, I, I've had a pretty bad week, mate. It was trophy day in Glasgow in more ways than one, you know, in the real world and in Web3 worlds. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a pretty manic week. And then the sun has been splitting the sky up here. And uh, yesterday I got roped into doing a real shift. Like, I was actually, like, doing manual labour yesterday. Back Ooh. at it. <laughs> Back at it, doing some real work, um, which was uh, an experience in itself, again, to say the least. But yeah, so that's uh, that was my, my manual labour mic, and this is the studio mic that's back on now. <laughs> back on nice and comfy and thinking about football and, and looking at all that good stuff. Stishy boy, there's been some end products here, there and everywhere, you know. And um, much like you were saying, much like you were saying in the intro, love the comments and all the interactions that come out for the podcast every week because this podcast is all about getting the end product out there. You know, this season, like between myself, you, Tony, when he's been on the show as well, this season's been brilliant, you know, we've had a lot of success on the podcast, you know, with the teams, the trades, and we're going to be getting into a lot of good stuff um, in this episode, kind of looking ahead a little bit, as well as kind of attacking the here and the, and the now. But, um, Stishy Boy, you've got a huge weekend on the cards. I've seen you're looking good with the haircut, but you're on it this week, eh? Yeah, I'm not, this haircut is, it's got a, it's got a purpose this weekend as I'm off to Vegas. So uh, I needed to make sure I was looking as uh, sharp as possible. And make sure I've got those uh, the skin fade as low to the as low to the ground as possible, so that I've got plenty of room for suntan activity on the side of the head. Uh, so yeah, I, I've literally come straight from the barbers. So uh, thanks for the comments. That's always uh, nice to know that the barbers done a good job. Um, shout out Adam in Addiscombe. If any of any of the local Croydon listeners are listening, that's where we get the shape up. Um, but yeah, off to Vegas. I noticed a really funny tweet actually on my sort of so rare timeline today. Someone who is in Vegas at the moment playing in the World Series of Poker sort of took a sneaky video of someone on another nice. table, like sorting their teams out on so rare data, which uh, we love to see. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that while I'm out there. But um, I'm assuming that'll probably be me. I've got to try and figure out what time the sort of deadlines will be. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to set my teams today before I get on that flight tomorrow, because I'll be up in the air um, at, at the kind of deadline. So I'm going to have to make sure, fingers crossed, I won't get any kind of DMP activity while I'm in the air. There won't be a lot I can do about it. So um, all my teams will be done tonight. So going to be a very busy day um, and a busy weekend. Uh, yeah, it's going to be funny, kind of like trying to keep up with the scores and kickoff times and completely different time zone. But I'm sure there are a lot of uh, American listeners out there that can that can kind of uh, vouch for the different times and whatnot. But yeah, I'll be keeping an eye out for anyone at the World Series of Poker Tables. I'm not out there for the poker tournament myself. I'm just out there on a stag do. So uh, yeah, my, I'll probably be a bit worse for where doing my teams and some of the poker players were on my Twitter timeline this morning. 
I can imagine with it being like the World Series of Poker or with there being some sorry scouts and managers from all around the world, probably in Vegas at the best of times anyway. And as we know, there's a lot of poker crossover with Soria. You're going to be there for a stag do. This feels like a little Web3 like, hangover that's about to happen. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to find you in a desert in a boot of a car or something, Stishy Boy. With the... and I, I, was, I was thinking as well, and I do mean this as a compliment, right, with the haircut. If it was perfect blonde, it is like cartoon character Johnny Bravo. Like, perfectly, <laughs> like you know, the shape and the size and everything. Like, it's um, whenever you come out of the bar, it's sculpted. It is, it literally is. It never looks like this when I do it myself, 100%. Yeah, the, the barbers, you know, they get out there with the, the hairdryer and all that, and you can never really recreate that on, on, on your own. I know there's uh, there's, there's a lot of people out there who maybe do take that time on their hair. I, I take some pride in it, but I just cannot get it. I can't get it to that level of like Elvis. Is it is a bit Vegas, isn't it? At the moment, let's be yeah, honest. It is. It is Very Vegas. Swish. Hopefully, um, hopefully, I get some Vegas end product, and we can talk about that this time next week. But I'm only out there for the weekend, and uh, yeah, my if there's any uh, so rare managers listening, just keep an eye out for me, and uh, yeah, hopefully, I bump into some some of you out there. It'd be quite funny, for sure. But um, we had some end product on on the podcast again, like back at the weekend. There, um, I picked up a, a card. I thought, you know, especially boy, were you picking up cards at the weekend as well? I did. I had I had a pretty decent weekend. I managed to scrape into the Golden Cap two seventy super rare pool. Um, nice. So yeah, that was nice. You know, we were talking last week about what we were gonna were we gonna prioritize it. In the end, I, I didn't fully prioritize it, but I did put a pretty strong team in the super rare. Uh, 270 instead of going into maybe uh, one of the regions with the teams i thought let's give it a go you know the, the prize pool's there we we saw those uniques in the pool um and do you know what i don't know about you but i felt like my prize for a tier three um i think i finished in the top 20 um i got a really good tier three prize uh better than expected i'm just gonna have a little look at what the end product was for the game week so my tier three um super rare was uh, Sukasa Shiatani, who plays for Sam Freshe um, Hiroshima in the J League. So it was great to get a, a card that I can use through the summer as well. So I was really happy with that. Um, some of my sort of defensive options through the summer are not that strong. So this gives me a really good one. He's currently injured, but as I am a subscriber of uh, So Rare Japan, I get his emails and I know that he's expected to maybe be back in the next couple of games. So yeah. Um, quite happy with that. And I've also got uh, Jao Schmidt, who plays for um, Frontale. Um, and he is a pretty decent midfield option. Another one that I can use through the summer. So I was really happy with my rewards uh, this week. How did you get on, Quinny? I know you 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 hit pretty nicely with your end product in terms of this week's uh, weekend prize pool. Oh, I, I won't go on to uh, Nonto for too long, because I think I've I think I've won him since the last time I've seen you, I think. It feels like... Um, was that, that was maybe for Maybe. I think it may have been a midweek or something like that. And I've kind of now, I had a deep dive on Nonto like Tuesday morning on Scout. I just watched every clip that was available, basically. And then I was really sold on him. And then like, it may have been later that day or the following day, my tw- my Twitter timeline was just alive with, with Nonto to Arsenal and Nonto yeah. to City and all that. So, um, yeah, I'm quite well sold. I'm really glad I've got like the first of, you know, mm. and all that good stuff. You know, it's like really good cards. And um, by the weekend, with the Trophy Day Celtic cards, I didn't, this was a weekend, mate, where the goalkeepers let me down. It was one of those weekends where not having Joe Hart was a problem. Yeah. Uh, quite often it's the other way around, and I've not, you know, I've managed to have my goalkeepers elsewhere and it's worked out for the better. 
But this weekend, it was none of them showed up. They were all 40 merchants, including super rare multipliers and such, you know. Mm. So, um, poor weekend for the goalkeepers. So I only ended up with like some tier fours and tier threes and stuff. But like yourself, man, like I feel that the caliber I got um, was pretty good. Like I don't, the striker that I got, uh, I think from the Cap 240 division, Jordan Larson on, you know, he seems really bedded in there at Copenhagen. He brought in a 70 odd with one goal. Um, so that was from 240, and this guy seems like a bit of a super sub, can score, can play. He's 25, you know, and he's, you know, he's traded for some decent levels. The other guy looks pretty mince as well at the face of it, but he's been on loan at Tenerife from Sevilla, and the super rare stitch was a number three of 10, and this guy wears number three. So it's a first donor reward and bloody blah, blah. So it's kind of got a wee bit of stardust on it. I'll keep it around. He's under 23 forever. So, like, I'll yeah. just see, see where he goes. I, Maybe it goes back to Tenerife. Maybe it goes, unless, as long as it's not a red X, obviously, could be mm. something decent. And then the last guy was someone that's a, a relative household name. I would say it's so rare, scouts and managers from around the world, is uh, Levi Caldwell, who earlier today, I've seen the reports from Chelsea is he is not for sale. So it feels like he's going to be, you know, Brighton were brilliant this year. And when yeah. you look at his L, even in his L10, he's got two 90 pluses in there, you know. So if he's going to rock and roll as an under 23 defender in a Pochettino Chelsea team, that's a great reward uh, to pick up. So, um, yeah, not maybe not big value, big bangs or anything. I got the super rare freshie, which was nice as well. A little dose of beef, nice. um, as, as it feels like we're now saying everywhere. And, uh, yeah, so pretty decent. But for me, mate, the biggest end product of them all on Trophy Day, it was all about McBride Ace. I McBride. saw that. Wow. McBride won Division 1. If any of you missed it, we live streamed it on the Celtics Are Here um, YouTube channel. At Celtics are here, all one word. There's some capital letters, but you'll find it easy enough. If you search Celtic so rare, it should pop up easy enough as well. McBride won Division 1. Now, we all know McBride is a whale, right? And he's got this huge account. And look at all these amazing cards, right? But I've been talking to McBride for a long time. You have as well, Stish, I'm sure. Maybe mm. some of you guys in the chat have also, right? And I've been talking to McBride since he started playing this game, right? And I can tell you, that club that he's built is nothing short of remarkable. Like... McBride didn't open his account and spend 500 ETH for, you know, whatever, you know, he has hustled and he has put his money on the table and he's put his balls on the chopping block, buying cards, taking risks, doubling down, doing all sorts of stuff. And it is like, he does everything very well informed. He doesn't do anything like a madman, you know, but a lot of, the, a lot of the stuff he's, a lot of the decisions he's taken and I've seen it right in front of me because I talk to him all the time. I'm always like, mate, I'm rooting for you. I hope this pays off, but I've not got the balls to do what you're doing. <laughs> and that's always what I say to him, you know, and I've got, honestly, I'd tip my hat to him so much. So see to see him rise up and win Division 1 at the end of that season there, honestly. He was close to greeting uh, when it was on, but honestly, I was saying to him, he was the first person I phoned when I left the game. He was the first person I was thinking about when the goals were going in and see to see him winning Andy Robertson unique as Amazing. a result. What a, res what a result for him. That was such, that's the best card he could have won as well, really. It's incredible, mate. And, you know, Courtois Super Rare is great for a, a star Super Rare. It's maybe, a, it's maybe a wee bit, meh, you know, it's not like a star outfielder, which is what yeah. you're hoping, really. That's what we're all hoping for. But to get the Robo, I think, you know, more than makes up for it. And also he's got a couple of bags of money now <laughs> that are just lying around spare um, for his troubles on top, you know. So, and McBride is like, if you look at him, 
Honestly, I've, he talks to everyone. He helps anyone that he's really got time for. He does have a full-time job in life and all the rest of it as well. He's not like like me, <laughs> just sitting do this stuff all day, every day. But honestly, he is like he is the road to glory. If you ever look at his account and look at what he's got there now, and you can look at his stats on Soria Data and everything, but he is he is it, and he has done it, you know, every way. So for me, the ultimate end product happened in the last game week, and I went to McBride. So I wanted to give him a big shout-out and a wee... You know, yeah, well done, Brian. I saw that. I was amazed, but I was super happy he got Robbo as well. I think, uh, you know, the gods were looking down on the uh, prize pool when that when that reward was opened. And uh, yeah, well done, McBride. One of the things I've always loved about his so rare strategy was uh, something that I try to do on a much sort of smaller scale. I'll have a look at usually goalkeepers that I think might, you know, like number one's going to move or these ones are going to go out on loan or maybe there's some news or. And I'll buy like two or three of them and sit on them. Sometimes they're red X's. Sometimes they're like complete nobodies for a season or two. And I've noticed he does that a lot. He'll pick up like five or six rares of like a kid no one cares about. That in two <laughs> years time comes good for him. And I love that about his strategy. And it's just another way to play the game, isn't it? Mate, he's mental. See that guy Romulo that you've got? Yeah. There's a guy that goes with him in the collections. And McBride's got his one of and his jersey number. He's a mad red X card that nobody's ever heard of. It's yeah. Like, and as, like I said, in that like he's got he's got absolute balls of steel in the market. Like if he likes something or he sees he thinks something's an opportunity, he'll do it. Absolute hats off to him. And yeah, I'm super happy for him to see to see him win that. And honestly, what a way to finish the season as a Celtic fan and all the rest of it. We still got some European stuff to deal with this weekend. And like everyone, Stash, me and you, and on this podcast, we've been in kind of next season mode maybe for about a month. But it feels like maybe now everyone's catching up with us and we're all in this mode now. So we're all happy to talk about it and maybe go a bit deeper into you know who could be some of the yeah some of the things that are, that are going on and whatever but you had a strategy that you can uh we, we that you put on the show last week that they brought in a bit of the end but it's, it's probably on the absolute <laughs> opposite end of the scale from where McBride boys eh? absolutely but, but they, every win all the, satisfying all the same exactly right so i was i was i think this is another thing as well like sometimes it's like take the prize out of the equation it's like if you go in with a strategy if you win, it doesn't matter what you've won. You still get that little buzz like, I was right. I got it right. It worked. Like, and obviously, we mentioned it on the podcast last week that obviously uh, probably about six months ago, I picked up some legend cards thinking, I'm going to treat this like ETH grinding. This team should be winning every weekend. There's no excuse to not like be winning cards with the team that I've picked up, right? So I spent a little bit of money on picking up these limited cards, which, you know, they're probably down in value now as well, probably especially now at the end of the season, etc. But I picked up a pretty elite selection of limited legend cards. And then a few months down the line, actually picked up a couple of rare ones as well to open up that, that one. Um, problem being, my limited cards is more, more, has been more bad luck than anything. I just think that the two other cards that I've needed to pair with the three limited legends that I play in that division have never hit for me. I've never had a goalkeeper clean sheet and a defender clean sheet um, ever. More often than not, DMP, right? So I've never won in that division. And in and in rare division, they changed the rules so you could bring super rares and uniques into it. So most of the cards in that division are eaten up by big collectors you have those decent cards in the legends and you know have enough have enough about their gallery to put a really strong side in there and pick up a reward and I, I i've never targeted that as like my main entry because of the legend cards i've got so if you didn't listen last week my strategy essentially was i'm going to put a five player legend entry into academy 
instead of putting out a legend entry. So my academy looked like this, basically. Cassias in goal, Baresi at the back, uh, Laudrup in midfield, and Cruyff and Van Basten Ajax cards up top. And uh, yeah, the, the Legends... The Legends lineup has hit me uh, a reward, hit me a $5 reward. I also hit a $5 reward in the midweek doing similarly with rather than putting out a half-assed entry into like Champ Euro or Challenger, like maybe like half of the team here and the other half there. I just put them all in Academy and that won a fiver. So I've actually, I've had $10 out of Academy in the last two game weeks um, and you know, there's probably not many more games that I can enter a Legends team in anyway because most of them have the seasons finished. I think, um, I think it, like Serie A's got maybe one fixture left, as has um, La Liga. So I might get one more academy bang out of those Legends until I have to wait till the new season start. But yeah, the strategy worked, and uh, it's something, isn't it? Because I haven't won anything with those cards, so. You know, it's probably not like the strategy I thought I'd be doing with those cards. And it's not the end product. You know, it's not the dream. It's not the dream of winning the big card or, you know, I don't ever expect that team to finish first in Academy. Let's put it that way. But yeah. if it wins me $5, like nine weeks out of 10, then, you know, that's money in, in the bank as far as I'm concerned. And like I said, it's that buzz of like, I here's my strategy. Does it work? Yes, it did. It did work, and it's weird. But I'm I'm almost just as buzzing about that as I would be about maybe like a limited card win and tier three or something like that. You know, because a lot of those wins might only be five dollars or less. So, you know, if you're playing limiteds, those five dollar scrapes here and there can really like help bolster your team for the next game week if you reinvest it, of course. And if you don't reinvest it, you know, it's it's five dollars back out of your or your money invested. So. Uh, yeah, super happy, strangely, strangely happy with that. And um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can vouch that them $5 ETH wins still feel like wins. It's still You still get the buzz, definitely. I do, at least. The problem I've got with that, right, is I've had to set my training teams for this weekend now that all my Celtic cards are dormant and the majority of Europe is. And I need all these guys getting trained up. I've yeah. not got room. I've only got five training teams and there's no way I'm sacrificing one of them to try and go and hustle a fiver, you know? So it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where I don't think it can be killed out too quickly by competitive players, you know, just going, oh, I'll just do that as well. Because I'm not interested in it <clears throat> at all. I'd much rather get the get the XP on, you know, what we're talking about there, 25 cards, you know, um, all the way, triple XP all the way through the off season to make sure for next year, it couples with my collection bonus and all the other stuff that's going on. In the club so it's a really interesting strategy it's good to see it's worked out for you and uh, it's quite fun that we're kind of doing a, the opposite of one another in that respect because i'm yeah. not touching it <laughs> no, I, I, you make a good point as well and it did like outside of that team i entered i did look at what i was putting in because i had i actually have six legends in total so the the instead of using the excess legend to open up a legends entry i put my zidane in another training team and then i put four really strong cards with it that didn't fit maybe into my main entry. So even though I wasn't like maybe entering that to get the $5, it was more like that team should bang. And you know, the way that the XP works, it's kind of like you, you get your base score, don't you? Your base XP for every player ent entered into training, but then it's multiplied by like the score 
of the five players in that training team. So I I kind of made sure that the players I put in with that Zidane, because he's guaranteed he should get a decent score, right? And I'm hoping that I've got four more players, maybe minus the goalkeeper, so maybe three more players, um, are players that I want to really boost that XP on. So there's a part of that in my mind that ticks over. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, as... As, a, as like an ROI strategy, I don't know if it makes sense. Like if people listening to this are thinking, I might pick up a Legends team to stick it in. You know, the money that you're going to spend on a Legends team is probably not worth just banging it in Academy every week. But it, it is more for me because I had them and I wasn't really getting any joy out of my entries. It's just like, well, let me not just bang them yeah. instead of selling them because I still like the cards. That's I'm attached to the Legend cards that I bought Um especially like the Zidane. The Zidane is like one of my favorite cards in my whole collection because it's the number 21. Uh, it's the one, it's nice. the card, it's the shirt number he wore at Juventus. Um, obviously it, in the word, the world of Sorare and the, it's not his jersey mint in, but it's it that is. season, isn't it? Because when he played yeah. for France and he was at UV, you know, so. Yeah, so it was actually his, but obviously the picture on the card is his France shirt. So the 10 is, is his jersey mint. But, but yeah, for me, and, you know, like on a personal note, Zidane was like, I was obsessed with Zidane when I went to school. He was at Juventus when I kind of like discovered him. And I thought that, I think for me, like he was sort of like, I thought that I unearthed a gem that none of my friends knew or cared about because everyone was just following the Premier League teams, whatever, no one really watched football outside of that. We didn't have the internet and stuff to like watch all the games that we can now or know about all the players. But I don't know how, but I saw Zidane play and I was obsessed from watching him play, maybe against United in the Champions League, I think it was. Um, and then I, from then on, it was like digging around, trying to find, you know, watching, uh, you know, Football Italia on the weekends and watching him take the steps onto Real Madrid when everyone knew about him by then. The World Cup obviously exploded him, that 98 especially, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, that card just is more of a like, has some kind it's it's amazing isn't it like you you've said it yourself and i've seen you've made some moves in the market to get your furahashi in the hoops uh so it's it is strange we get you do become quite attached to your cards in a weird way they do feel a bit like your players in that sense but some of them totally. are just like that collectible sit having a zidane as soon as it came out i was like i have to get one um i massively overpaid for it but I feel be that way about Nedved and Veron, but I've just never got around. I can't. I've, I just couldn't go and buy them. Like if you know what I mean, yet. But I would love to if I got a Nedved and a Veron, I would be quite chuffed. But again, as legends, I don't think they're great. You side compare them, so um, there's no rush from me on that one. Yeah. But one question that, actually before we move on. Sorry, really sure. quick because this is something that I should have mentioned. Someone in the chat, Quagak32, says, "Can you play a limited legend with four rares in academy and still get the XP boost from high score?" Um, or do they need to all be the same scarcity? Um, so no, they can. You can mix the scarcities up, and that's another reason why it made sense for me because I have five legends across. I've got two rares and four limited legends, so six in total. But yeah, I put three limiteds and two rares into academy. So that was another thing. It's like I can put them all in a lineup there, which you can't do. You can only put three in a lineup in the legends tournament. So yeah, sorry, Quinny, go on. Uh, say no. what you want to say. Uh, I was going to say, um, with me looking into the SO5 arena for the coming weekend to see how many training teams I had, I see this week is where we do have finally the, the long-anticipated, the long-awaited, the long-heralded K-League Special Weekly. 
Yes. Yes, I've been looking at that because I have a potential entry for it. But uh, what about you, Quinny? Have you are you looking at that as a potential entry? I've only got Ki Sung Young, so I don't think I'm qualified. Or should I? I, I think these rewards, like I'm looking at the the rare one, the now it's, it is incredible. The prize pool, like it really is. Um, let me double check the details. You've definitely if you need a full K League team, at least five players playing for these teams. Yeah. I, anything goes i think that's incredible if you've got a j-league gallery you should be going hell for leather at that i look um, yeah I, the problem i've got with it is my k-league are all kind of mixed across different scarcities so i don't have an entry in uh limited because i'm lacking i think a forward i don't have a limited uh, k-league forward at the moment so i could go out and buy one maybe but i don't think that the pieces i've got to enter that would even get near it so it's probably not worth me um buying a forward for this game week in rare obviously you can go in multiple scarcities but there's no bonus for your super rares or uniques right and that for me throws up a little bit of a i could either throw in bake jong boom and lee ham bomb into that but they're going to lose the fact that they're a unique and a super rare um or i could put them in u23 super and actually get the bang for my buck of having a unique and having a super um yeah that's the main issue for me is i don't have enough maybe like rares that are going to really bang i do have an option though i do i've got um i've got the all sand keeper and a and a currently starting center back so i could put them in with um a couple of other players i've got in rare you know but again it would do i use Cecinia in that lineup do i i've got a few i've got a rare lineup there which there's 300 entrants at the moment. Let's say that goes up to 400. So there's basically 100 cards. And for anyone that's not looked at the prize pool, the top prize is a tier one unique. Yeah. There's a tippy top prize. Tier two and tier three fills out the podium. Unique this is. Tier three unique for fourth and fifth. Tier one super rare, six and seven. Eight to 10 get tier two supers. And then after that, it's still great rewards. We get super rares all the, back, all the way into the top 20. And then the remaining top 100 get what will be a pretty good card now i think they're all k league specific payout i'm going to imagine you know because that's generally how they do these competitions <clears throat> excuse me but um for the pain and the drama and the suffering that the k league community has had um because like you say stashy boy anything goes in this so even if you're if you're a rare powerhouse k league guy like if you just get the best five you know then you're cooking you know you could be pulling a t1 t2 t3 a unique super rare you know like something incredible it can make a big difference to to any number of players galleries you know so i think uh Cecenia is probably a prerequisite and then i don't know the i don't know the fixtures and or the teams and the players in korea well enough to say who the other main players are but i would say like if you've got if you can look at the fixture list and know you know for the most part you've got a goalkeeper that's in the top two or three outcomes for the for the weekend and equally as well, on top of a Cecenia, maybe another one or two players that you fancy, then man, I'd be I'd be hard pressed not to go for it. One thing I will say, and it's been mentioned in the chat by Sopsy, is that they think that it's potentially a bad game week for them to choose to do this because there are a couple of fixtures on Tuesday that will only get, um, Ooh, get but I will say it is a double game week. So those games that aren't covered on Tuesday properly um, are all teams, I believe, that have a fixture earlier in the week um i just need to double check but yeah jeju have pohang yeah so jeju pohang ulsan and 
um, Suwon have like double game weeks. Um, so they do have that. So the, on the only outcome with that, you know, from experience of holding all sand cards that have had this situation before, it meant that they had the early kickoff on the Saturday. And in my case, I've got defenders. So they didn't keep a clean sheet. Their AA was added. It wasn't fantastic. So then all you're hoping on that Tuesday is for the goalkeepers to keep a clean sheet so that their score goes from like a 45 to a 60. They don't add clean sheet bonuses for defenders, which is really annoying because they could easily, right, just add the 10 points, but they don't. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit more that could be done on that scoring. I know like the rules are what they are, um, but there are certain factors of the AA that could just be added, like clean sheets for defenders, which they don't currently do. Um which is really annoying because if you've got a defender that scored 40 points and then they play in the next game and they just keep a clean sheet, you know, that's that's 45. It should be 45. Um, yep. And in goalkeepers, obviously, you've got the clean sheet, but you get no AA. So you're really hoping if you are Ulsan, Suwon, Pohang or Jeju player that they really have a good game in the first game of the game week. Problem for Ulsan is they play Jombuk in the first game, which is a much more difficult fixture than Suwon in the second game. Um, yeah. And it's it's annoying. But, you know, these are things that K-League holders have had to put up with. Um, so I think it's one of those things. I think Sora are doing all they can to try and enhance what is unfortunately a really poor situation for K-League owners that is ultimately out of Sora's hands unless they take over Opta for the season. I, you know, I don't really know what the issue is with Opta. I really hope that this is a one season thing and we don't have to deal with this again next year. But um, yeah, it's, it's annoying as someone who has a decent, you know, holding of K league players that I've pretty much spent the last couple of seasons planning my summer around like my big bang K league players and pairing them with some America options. But yeah, it's been really annoying. And I know there's a lot of people in the chat who play K-League. We always have a good contingent of K-League holders in the chat. And uh, we we feel your pain. We definitely do. Um, so, yeah, I think my that may affect my game plan a little bit, just knowing that I do have that all-sand defensive option. But I need them to really bang in the first game. And it's a tough game. And the way all-sand have been playing the last few weeks, they've been really leaky at the back so i'm not sure if like the all sand defensive pairing is really the, the route i would want to take going into this you know i might i'd probably rather pick players from another team i just wish i had rares and not supers and uniques of these players at the moment that's my conundrum is they're probably better off used in tournaments where i'm going to get the benefit of that xp bonus but um I love with competitors and other people that hold those cards likely to maybe play one or two of them. Mm. There's yeah. another thing as well. There's a lot to think about. This is also um, my phone just started talking. Sorry, that happened to me the other day. Don't know how that happened. Um, but yeah, some of those people might be playing it in K League. So like some of the super rares, obviously, the unique's a different situation, you know. But you maybe lose some of the competition um, from under twenty threes or for caps or whatever because they're over and into K League. A lot of the people in the chat are prioritizing this division like mad. So yeah. I really hope we get some end product crew up on the top of that podium somehow, some way. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be something, man? Because I say, man, great quality uh, uniques up at the top there. And you could win it with a full rare team. And that's a brilliant opportunity when it comes around. Yeah, definitely. We'll be keeping an eye out for some of the names in the chat. In fact, if you send us a little tweet at end product pod, if you are 
target in that division we'll start a little watch list so we can keep an eye on how you guys are getting on over the weekend while we're uh while we're up and at it ourselves it'll be good we'll be rooting for you but yeah i may throw an entry in there but my 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 expectancy is low but i would absolutely love to win um not just a card like the the jerseys um i think i i would actually be quite happy with a jersey i can wear because it's really difficult to get hold of those k-league jerseys over in europe the the postage is just like such a pain i don't even know um you know i can't i can't even tell you if the clubs uh, post to europe from it just seemed really difficult to get hold of those jerseys and like to translate the websites as well properly uh sr dying bar says I will, I will let you know which tier one unique i get feeling confident then <laughs> that's how we like to go into a game week though isn't it um totally but yeah, I feel pretty confident that some of our listeners will be amongst the end product in that division. Uh, we definitely seem to have some heads of uh, the authority in the chat. There's always great uh, yeah. feedback and and uh, some great interaction from our listeners when it comes to the K-League. So good luck to everyone listening, especially those of you who are in the chat joining us today. We wish you all the best of luck for the game week ahead. Quinny, uh, off air, we were talking about some other things that we wanted to cover this weekend. And a big talking point at the moment is obviously next season. And with yourself winning a couple of lovely under 23 players in recent weeks, has that got you looking at potential pairings for those cards? Are you looking at U23? And what players do you think next season uh, we should all be looking out for? Uh, are there any kind of hidden gems out there? be good to sort of get scratch the surface on what we're looking at U23 wise next season. Well, I, for where my, I'm at at the moment, I am highly expecting Trubin to move into not being a blue X card this summer. So he, I'm, I'm kind of hitching my wagon to him. There's a few under 23 keepers. I'm keeping my eye, my eye on as well in case they come into striking distance and I can maybe bring them into the club as well for a wee bit of buffer. But I do feel that the competition level and like the dominance on like set plays and teams and whatever is probably going to be removed from that division, much like we see it in maybe some of the cap divisions in All-Star, where it is maybe a bit more of a, if you know your guy, you know your fixtures, you pick your right captain, it could be MD's week. You know, if it goes back to being a bit more one of those divisions, um, with me accidentally having some cards that should be playing, that you know, qualify for that division, um, then I'm probably going to be leaning into a little bit more. So Trubin's probably the, the the knife edge for me, actually having a proper go at it uh, in the European season itself. But that Nonto obviously looks pretty good as a U23 forward uh, and everything else dish. But I've been kind of on the look, because I've been thinking about this for uh, since maybe about February. I've been thinking, if Trubin moves into Europe, I've got, in my opinion, the best under-23 goalkeeper on my hands. Like... He's a shot stopper for fun. He's only going to go to a good team, you know, really. Like, somebody's going to spend a bucket of money on him and he's going to be a number one keeper playing every week and we know what he's good at. He's saving shots and maybe does some passing as well and whatever. So clean sheet or no, I think he'll be a very handy under 23 goalkeeper, really. Um, and part of, so the next the next thought moves on because the first thing everyone's thinking about with under 23s at the moment for next season is midfield because that's an area where, yes. and forwards as well, of course, right? But midfield in particular because midfield is where you expect to get your AA play, is where you expect to get your, you know, your Veerman season yeah. before maybe guys like Sangar, you know, some of these guys that just eat up 70s and then if they get a decisive, they're bringing in 100 or something yeah. crazy, you know? 
um, plus XP, and now obviously plus collection bonuses and stuff like that, you know. Um, so midfield is the big one. So when we were chatting about it, I thought, you know, I've got I've got a prediction or two, right? So I said this uh, with the members, and I'll say it. Um, I'll say it with everyone here, right? So you can you can click it or you clip it. You can hold me for a receipt on this one, right? But in the upcoming European season, I am going to forecast, speculate, guess, put a punt out there, whatever, that my boy, my super rare, Ivan Illich, is going to be a... I think he's going to be number one, right? But I'll say he'll be a top five under 23 mid next season. Um, he's taken, for the most part, all the sets at uh, Torino. Torino building a pretty exciting team. Not going to be in Europe next year, as it looks. So now there's one more game in Italy to go. We'll see where that lands. If they're not in Europe, it's perfect weekend-to-weekend player. Main guy in centre mid. does maybe do enough tackling and intercepting for my liking. But, you know, he, he's in the final third, takes set pieces, and he's a CM um, under 23 like for another call. season. I've just so, got to expose up. I've, he was not on my radar, but I really like that call. I think you can see that there's some potential there. If, they, if Torino do improve next season... If, if you've got the guy on sets and he's a centre mid as well, then that's that ticks a lot of boxes for like that U23 midfielder. That was Veerman, right, for the last couple of seasons. Taking sets, um, you know, interceptions are high. Passing into final third is high. Uh, penalty area entries is high because he takes corners and free kicks. It's like they're, they're the main boxes you need to tick when you're looking for those proper centre mids, right? Um, I think with wide forwards who have a midfield card, you get a lot of like possession lost because of crosses and stuff like that, right? So I think like the 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 holy trinity is like you said, centre mid, like box to box, wins tackles, gets interceptions, and takes set pieces. It's if you can tick all those boxes, you've got a midfielder that can hit those hundreds definitely. And he looks good. I love that call, Quinny. I think that's a great call. Um, I'm going to add him to a watch list. <laughs> so uh, yeah. He's gone into my players' watch list. Um, it's a really good shout. I think that's such an interesting point that if you really want to bang in U23 pro and rare divisions, you need a midfielder like this. You really need one of those pieces, especially now because U23 on any given game week can be the highest scoring division in the league. But I think that what we normally see season after season is the first few game weeks, we don't really see those high scores because all of the sort of trust tried and trusted scorers of last season have either aged out or moved to a new club and found a bit of rotation. That's the thing with the top end of the U23 pool is they are open to a big transfer and find themselves on the bench or because maybe like in, in the sense of a lot of the really young players, like those 17, 18 year old forwards who've hit a hot, hit a hot streak. You know, we've seen that with Alvarez moving to Man City. They go from like the absolute cream of the crop to being a very good player at an excellent club that has to wait for their time, maybe finds themselves playing in games that aren't covered by so rare. So they don't get, you know, a lot of DMPs in the league games. And I think that one of the main, on the other side of it, another card that's been fantastic this season in all those areas you just mentioned is Vermeeren at um, Antwerp, who took the place of Al Hassan Youssef when he got injured and hasn't been able to get himself back in the team. But Vermeeren, is on the radar of a lot of big clubs. He's, I think, 19. I'd have to get his uh, cards up and again, but I'm sure Vermeeren is very young. Yeah, so very young. He's of that age. He's 18. So he's of that age where a lot of big clubs will be looking at him because he's shown potential this season. They will buy him, sit on him, or ship him out to on a loan somewhere. You know, this is the sort of player that a Chelsea or an Arsenal will pick up and send to, like, 
Southampton next season or something like that, which would be fantastic. But there is always that risk of, you know, what happened to Slonina last season when Chelsea picked him up. He's just there rotting away on the on the bench. You don't want that. And um, I think that is the potential pitfall of entering the U23 market at this stage in the season. It is a real gamble, isn't it? Like, And sometimes if you want to take the gamble, gambling on a player like Illich that you've just mentioned, who is obtainable, he's maybe not quite like the hot, like talent name of the minute, like Vermeeran potentially is. Vermeeran has that potential drop in him. But if he does stay at Antwerp next season, I think he is one of those potential unicorn cards. Um, you know, whether or not he takes sets, I'm not 100% sure. Let me have a little look at Antwerp's situation. But he well, has... Antwerp with one game to go, Stish, could win the league. And yeah. that, this season's a rookie. So a rookie title-winning card as well. Like you're talking yeah. about unicorns. If this guy does kick on and have the career you think he does, that in itself as an individual like, card could be could be sweet. I'm just looking now, and he's. I mean, his AA is not fantastic. His scores do come from those decisive actions more than AA. So he's not quite the safe bet of like a Veerman or even an Illich, like you mentioned, where you get that added bonus of set pieces. That you know, those bump up scores quite a lot. If you get eight eight corners in a game that's uh you know potential like attempted assist if it, if a header goes on target it's a, a penalty box area if like they reach a player with that corner there's so many things that add up to those aa scores but set pieces is definitely the main one for me um and you know in i think interceptions is one of the most overpowered scores on the matrix is it three points i think for an interception that's a lot of points for an interception. And if you're playing as a defensive midfielder and you can pick two or three of those up a game, that's big, right? And that starts yep. to add up to those double-doubles and the triple-doubles. And if you've got a player who can hit those, you are laughing. And I think that is what I'm going to be doing over the course of the summer. I think your Illich shout's great. I can't even think off the top of my head of anyone that ticks all those boxes just yet that isn't aging out. I look at cards that I've got in my gallery and think, where are my midfielders going to be next season? I think there's obvious ones like this, which are like Javi Simons is a great shout for next season if you want to pay for a like mortgage to get him. But you know, Javi Simons is one. Um, I think Ida Gula at, um, is it Fenerbahce? Is he at? Yeah, he's a fantastic talent. Um, I can't tell you if he's on set pieces or not, but he is an unreal player who, if he stays at Fenerbahce, is going to be putting up ridiculous scores next season um again i don't think he comes cheap we already know about verts and musiala both of those are going to kick on again next season um if vert stays at leverkusen hopefully he does i think he you know for his development it'd be great to, for him to stay there um zalabanzi is asking me in the chat do i have a speaking of illich do i have a, a super rare summer goalkeeper now um i've actually got a couple of super rare summer goalkeepers i saw that Marco Illich started for Rapids last night, which is great to see. Although they did put him in against like a team that was always going to batter them and score three goals. So that was annoying. But um, yeah, he's on the opening goal. What did he get? What? I didn't, I haven't seen it. I only saw his score this morning. I haven't seen it. Sam Nicholson scored the opening goal for Colorado after three minutes. And if anyone doesn't know, for about two and a half years on Soria, I owned every Sam Nicholson card that existed. <laughs> and like, 
and telling it two months ago. And I, I, I think I gave them away or something. He's got cards for this season, but he scored the first goal last night. And I was like, oh, we Sammy boy. Good to see you. There you go. So yeah, sorry, I, I had to throw that in since we mentioned the Rapids. Yeah, I woke up to find that he'd started, which is great. But I'm pretty sure Illich is only on loan till the end of next month. So I might only get utility out of him till the end of next month. So if he stays in goal for the Rapids, he's unless they like, unless they keep him the next season, if they maybe there's an option to buy, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I might only get utility out of him for a few games, if that. But I think because of the situation there, it's going to be a bit rotational. He'll probably just end up maybe in cap 240 or something like that for me and just hope that he plays the weekends that, that I use him. But I've my, my sort of U20, U23 goalkeeper options, I've got baked John Boom at Saul, who I think feels pretty nailed on at the moment. Uh, he's been putting up some good scores and Saul look better this season than they did last season. I think they'll be challenging, I think, if they can, you know, kick on up top. I think in defence, they look quite decent. Going forward, they're just lacking a little bit. Huang Weijou has not really banged like maybe most of us expected him to. But um, but yeah, I think in terms of like U twenty three back to back to the the topic of U twenty threes. Any other shouts for next season? I'm as a holder of Julian Araujo at Barcelona. I'll be really interested to see if he gets a loan. I don't think he gets into the Barcelona squad just yet because he's not really been playing. Oh, I forgot he. Yeah, I've not really been, I've not really seen that much of him from Barcelona B. So, um, yeah, I'll be hoping for a move from him in the summer. Hopefully, uh, maybe he gets a move to like La Liga 2. That'd be a great, that'd be great to see. But I I don't know. Like, I can't think of any. I think Enzo Fernandez under Pochettino. I think where, I'm not sure how Pochettino is going to get Chelsea going. But I think with the squad, you know, because they're not going to be keeping Felix, we've heard that already. And, uh, you know, we, we can get to transfer stuff more later on. But like, I think Enzo's got huge potential to really kick on um, because Pochettino is going to be more than happy to build a team around him um, as a central player in the team, both being Argentinian, of course, Enzo being quality, as we know, and probably being the only really successful signing of the last 12 months that they've made. Incoming, and again, there's our stuff that they've got going on there. So, I think in terms of other stuff for next year, I think he's a bit of an obvious one. If I was to try and think of something that's um, maybe a little bit more left field, the only other one that uh, springs to mind, I don't want to uh, maybe let the cat out of the bag, but I'm still trying to get a forward in, so TBC on that. But um, with midfielders, I, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it briefly, so I don't want to labour the point for those that have heard it already, but uh, Lucas Nemeka, uh, Felix Nemeka, sorry, I beg your pardon, Lucas's brother, he gets disgusting AA at the moment at Wolfsburg he is doing he does 54 to 59 in a bad game at the moment and if he gets a decisive he's like Eberichiese he gets his scores basically but he's still under 23 and he plays at Wolfsburg rather than Crystal Palace but exact same kind of makeup very similar player in terms of stature and how he goes across the pitch and that kind of thing as well um so I would maybe just throw him out there if he was in consideration but I think the it's price like of rare goalkeepers in general for under 23s if you're looking across that kind of mid-range of the under-23 goalkeeper market, the entry point there has never been as welcoming as yeah. well, you know. So um, I think it's a division. If you've if you've got if you're like me potentially, you've got like oh, I've got kind of like four fifths of a team there already. Maybe I'm waiting for a goalkeeper to activate. Maybe you've got a goalkeeper in your sights. Maybe you need a striker or something. I think it's a division next year that more people can think. Oh, do you know what? I might do well at that this week versus yeah. the last two years. You know, no timber, no party. 
Well, a good mention actually, like of a goal, someone who maybe we haven't seen scores from this season who will open up as a, I believe, a U23 option for next season is uh, the Freiburg backup goalkeeper because they sold Mark Flecken this week. Um, so their, their goalkeeper who usually sits on the bench is a U23. His name's Noah Atabolu. Um, and, you know, he's played some games, I think, for Freiburg this season. Uh, he does have an L40 score, which suggests he's played at least one game. Um, the problem you have with him at the moment is I think a few people have latched on to the fact that he will be a U23, maybe useful goalkeeper next season if they don't sign a new one. Um, so his price is massively overinflated at the moment. He's got a floor current floor price of over half an ETH, which is massive for a goalkeeper that no one knows is going to play. And I think that that is, you know, what you get with anyone who looks like they might become a U23. But he looks like a U23 option that we haven't seen before. Freiburg's probably not the greatest uh, club um, in terms of clean sheets. Uh, but Flecken put up some pretty decent scores. So if they can strengthen defensively and Atabolu goes in, then he might become a decent option. Um, as a holder of um, Okoye at, at um, Watford, I'll be really intrigued to see if he moves... I think he should. They overpaid for him. He doesn't get a look in. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there'll be people crying out for him to get a move, hopefully to the Eredivisie where he did really well before. Um, some other ones that might be worth a look in terms of U23 goalkeeper. I think the um, Nico Mantle situation um, might be an interesting one to follow. Let's see what happens with him. Um, he's on loan in Denmark at the moment, I believe. Um and he will be due to return to Salzburg if they don't take up that option. But their goalkeeper situation is an interesting one because um, is it Sander, who is the other player who has played most of the season for the same club? He is only, I think, 17 or 18 years old. So if Mantle moves, then Sander will probably be number one again next season. And if Mantle stays, then Mantle has still another season, I believe, of U23 utility. Um, I'd have to check that. He might even age out, to be honest. Um, this summer let's have a little look um no he has got another season so nico mantle's an interesting one because also there is a chance that philip cone moves from salzburg as well because he's been tipped to join man united last summer um man united are obviously going to be in the market for another goalkeeper this summer as a backup probably i don't think david de gea will be dislodged next season but there's a good chance that united will pick up a young goalkeeper we already know about safanov aging out he has been on the bench for Krasnodar the last couple of games. They've been given Agatsev um, minutes. And I think that might be because they're preparing themselves for Safanov to leave. Safanov ages out this summer. So it's more Agatsev that we're looking at there. Is Agatsev going to be number one at uh, Krasnodar next season? Uh, he will probably be a decent option because he gives you that, you know, like we know that his supply is stopped where it currently is. So if he is going to be number one at Krasnodar, should Safanov leave in the summer, then he will be like one of those good options that hopefully the supply is low on. You're probably going to be paying through the nose for him if it looks like he is going to become the number one there, unfortunately. But I think those are a few potential moves that I'm keeping my eye on at the moment. Obviously, I hold Maduka Okoye, so I'll be hoping for a loan or, or a move for him. But um, yeah, a lot of the good U23 goalkeepers, the mainstays, are aging out this summer. 
Then we've got the obvious ones as well. I think your Van der Voort is uh, probably like Van der Voort, Costa are probably the two sort of safe U23 options for next season. I think Van der Voort's supposed to stay at Genk till the end of next season. Yeah. Um, if he does move, then Toby Lyson at Genk looks a good option to pick up potentially. Mm-hmm. But with that in mind, one for final season, I think we spoke about this this time last year, Quinny, but Toby Lyson at Genk, knowing full well that he should be the number one next summer, does he get a loan? I mean, if he gets a loan to another uh, maybe club in Belgium or maybe to the Eredivisie, he could be a potentially good option. And he has played minutes for Genk and done pretty well there. Very good with his feet. He's that classic, you know, like modern goalkeeper, what everyone's looking for, someone who's good with their feet. He's tall. He's commanding in the air. So, uh, and I think it's... I think it's very likely we get a handover period next season between Van der Vert and Lyssen rather than him getting loaned out. So I think mm-hmm. like maybe, you know, post Christmas or when the fiction list piles up maybe or something around international breaks potentially, I think you'll probably just see Lyssen get two games here, a game there, a game there, two games there, you know, throughout the season. And then maybe for the last like, three months, like we've seen happen in Belgium before, they'll just go swap. You're number one now. And nobody will wish any harm at Van der Vert. Then they'll give him a wee game at the end of the season to wish him by and off his way to Germany. But I don't think I don't think they'll allow themselves into next season not blooding the guy in their team with their defence, you know, with their manager, whoever the, the the heir apparent will be. So I don't think he will get a loan, to be honest. But I think you'll get maybe forecastable minutes. Who knows? Um, but I think he's probably one to look at because he does feel like the heir to, to the Van der Vert throne. Um, but Van der Vert is a card has never looked so so appealing price-wise for a rare, you know, at 0.6 or so on the market. I think the under-23 premium has really been nerfed off in this market correction we've had over the last two months with Mbappe obviously going to be leaving the prize pool and just general sentiment against the competition. And attention, really, no one really pays this competition much attention anymore compared to six months ago, you know, because yeah. it's about bigger divisions and pros and, you know, other stuff. It feels like kind of, feels like a bit of a washed out division now, which is why I'm kind of moderately interested in it again. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's maybe, it's, it's one for anyone there if you can build an interesting enough squad. And I think the thing under 23 is as well, particularly the way it's going at the moment is it very much has became a division that's very difficult for you to build a roster of saying, I will play this every week, you know, yeah. because, you know, there's so many, there's so many more, uh, so, so many, there's so much less um, players that you can forecast with a good degree of accuracy. I think a big thing for next season as well is like how appealing will the U23 pool be? Because for the last couple of seasons, we've had Mbappe in that U23 pool. Obviously, next season, we're going to Harland will probably be the top ticket in there. Um, and maybe like Costa and Van der Voort. Um, in terms of like forwards, which kind of players do you expect to be? I guess Furtz and Musiala will be like the the top dogs. And Bellingham, if he's moving to Madrid, he's going to likely be another one. Um, I mean, he'll be a really interesting card for next season, won't he? You'd expect to, if if Bellingham moves to Real Madrid, I think he slots straight into the starting lineup and becomes a mainstay. And we'll see Tony Cruz maybe like rotated a lot more than we've seen this season. Um what do you think about that? You you watch quite a bit of La Liga. I think, you know, you've probably got a pretty good handle on what Real Madrid might look like next season if Bellingham moves. 
I think Bellingham will do very well in La Liga. I think, you know, it will, it will suit him, you know, being Real Madrid playing La Liga teams. I think he could, I think he will own, I think he'll do better than what he's done at Dortmund, um, so five wise personally. But I think the, the unknown with Real Madrid still is uh, Ancelotti. There's a lot of rumors still that he's going to take over in Brazil. Um, so if they change manager, then the shape that they've been playing with for the last couple of years, excuse me, <coughs> is potentially back on the drawing board again. And then who knows what the shape is? Does he play? And, you know, could be two sitting. There's three midfielders now, basically. And that might change. Maybe two, might go up. Might be one of these new funky shapes where everyone's a midfielder and they all play together for a year or something. So I, I think that's a little bit hard to, to nail down. But um, individually, I wouldn't be too confident this season. He plays, he starts 95% of potential matches. He probably starts 75% or something like that over the course of the full season. Um, so he may be going to be a wee bit more frustrating because I think Dortmund, if he's fit, he plays every game. Whereas at Real Madrid, they do have that, like similar to what we're talking about with Van der Vert, but they have that passing of the guard to manage, you know, Cruz and Modric are still there. It's still very good, you know. Mm. In terms of um, other players, I think you kind of mentioned them, but I really like um, Eberici Eze and, and Michael Alise as well at Crystal Palace. I think those two, you know, see the way that they finish the season. I don't know what goes on there managerially next season, but whoever comes in should be playing around those two. Yeah, yeah. If Potter comes in, I mean Potter Potter plays good, attractive attacking football. He is not going to be, you know, rotating the likes of Elise and Eze out of the starting lineup. I'd love to see Potter there. I think he would be fantastic for Palace. Obviously, Palace is my local club, United fan, but a big follower of Crystal Palace. And uh yeah, I always love seeing them do well. And they you know, the the last month or two, they've been playing some great football, very free flowing. We talk about like you know, potential little stacking teams. I think Crystal Palace under under a Potter would be one of those really good ones that on any given game week could come up trumps. And if you play U23, you've got the options of like stacking like a Mark Gehi, Tyrick Mitchell, uh, Elise, Eze. I think they're just lacking like a forward card, if you like, because I think Elise and Eze are both midfield cards. So uh, their sort of forward options are all over 23 at the moment. But there's talk of them bringing in their that youngster from Sunderland, whose name leaves is, is away from me at the moment. Yeah, but I've seen that. If they bring him in and he becomes a starter for them, then then he could be like that. You could have a full stack there, um, apart from the goalkeeper, of course. But yeah, a lot of interesting potentials for next season. Uh, another one I haven't mentioned actually that came. Jack Clark was the name. That was it. Uh, thanks, Rob Brain, uh, and. Another player who I picked up last season, who I love as a player, and I think next season, given a full preseason, is uh, the return of Luca Oyen at Genk as an attacking midfielder. He's very much in that Verts mould of quite quite a robust attacking midfielder, Eden Hazard, Florian Verts esque centre midfield player. Um, he had an awful, you know, I think it was an ACL injury. Um, so he's missed most of this season, but he's come back in off the bench a lot last few games. Um, he's got some minutes again. So I don't think that they'll risk, you know, giving him a full 90 before the end of the season. I think he'll just play a bit part, get a full preseason under his belt and hopefully slot straight back into that starting 11 for next season. But I'd love to see Luca Oyen really flourish and become the player that we all hope 
he can be. Be interesting to see what happens actually with um, Anwar El Hajj as well. In that sense that he moved over from Anderlecht, he wasn't getting game time there, but he showed under company during his time in the sort of the sort of flashes we got from him when he was in the starting lineup in his 18, 19 years of age. Fantastic looking player, very much, you know, he's always often linked to Mahrez, um, like that kind of player, very quick, um, great, great forward player. Um, he's a midfield card. But if he finds his way into that Genk starting 11, um, I think he must be, what, 21 now? He's been, it feels like ages since uh, he kind of burst onto the scene for a few weeks yeah. on the company. But um, I picked his card up back then. I thought, this is the guy he's going to be next season. And it wasn't the case, but I've held on to him ever since. He's just one of those cards that probably won't leave my gallery now. But I'd love to get some utility out of him. Um, I don't know if he'll get... I think with Oyen coming back in, he's probably going to be behind him in the pecking order. But maybe he gets in a move. I don't know. But he's another interesting player that I've seen in recent years that might kick on. Obviously, we all know about Doku. Is it going to be Doku time, finally? Is he going to... Uh, become the player we all expect him to be this season. What do you reckon, Quinny? I, th- I feel like he just needs a run of fitness. It feels like he's clearly good enough. He's clearly playing at a level where he can do his thing and get going. I'm not really up to speed with the whole managerial situation, but it must be said uh, there. But yeah, it does just feel like he needs just to get minutes and just to, just to get on the pitch. So I think like that's quite reassuring because with some of these guys, like, you're, you're kind of seeing them get minutes and you're like, oh, well, we kind of had one chance there and I oh, was a bit unlucky with it. And then, you know, maybe time goes on and then before you know it, you're a season down the road, you know, like, this guy's not really done much. You know, if I was the manager, I wouldn't be picking him at this point, you know, mm. whereas with guys like him, it's clear to see, you know, like he can do it. He's got it. And there's no, there's no stopping him other than his muscles and his tendons and whatever else is going on. So, um, yeah, I'm always hopeful for guys like that, you know, that, it's just, you know, they're good guys to have in the club, but they're frustrating because they will, um, you know, maybe disappear on you for a little while. But I think Doku's, yeah, I think he's clearly a quality player. Definitely. Um, someone's mentioned in the chat, Cherky. Obviously, I'm a Cherky holder. He's shown us some flashes of brilliance this season. I think the big thing for Cherky is where does he play next season? There's a lot of links for him to PSG, which I think in a, if with Messi moving, might not be a bad move for him now, you know, like knowing that Messi's going. If Cherky does move to PSG, I think that'll be a massive step up for him in terms of scoring as well. I think having an Mbappe in front of you it, for the kind of player that Cherky is, those passes he makes, the moves, I think he's been fantastic linking up with Lacazette, but I think, you know, Messi, Mbappe is a step up from Lacazette. I know like Lacazette maybe in terms of goals this season hasn't been that far away from him, but I think, uh, yeah, Cherky's a great shout. I'd love to see that, obviously, as a holder. And it made me think as well, like, I also hold Dylan Levitt, who's just been relegated from the Premier League. Uh, I know we got a lot of SPFL fans in the chat. And, of course, Quinny is our in-house expert. Can any of you tell me what happens to Dylan Levitt this summer? Because I'd love to know. Has to be sold. There's no two ways about it, I think. Did he come back from his injury, but before the season concluded? Yeah, he's been... Yeah. He's Yeah, he's played at least 45 minutes, like, three times now so yeah he definitely is on the market eh? because he's wildly wildly talented it's clear to see you know i think i think part of the reason he's ended up at dundee united of course is maybe some of the top teams in england would just think he's a wee bit too diminutive you know but clearly in our division like he's a capable playmaker and outside of glasgow i think aberdeen hearts and hibs would all be crazy 
Samirin Motherwell they'd all be crazy not to be looking at him uh, to try and get him on a deal and like for those teams spending your whole transfer budget on a Maverick player like that that you know like their whole transfer budget I don't know what it is like but let's just say it's half a mil or something because I know Dundee United didn't spend that much on him if they spent half a mil on getting him and then promised Dundee United to kick on and then they go and sell him for four or something then that's great business for some of these clubs you know and I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen but I think like we've seen with Levitt when his contract was out with Man United he did hang out and he did leave he did leave the phone out there for a long time waiting for offers to come so yeah. it might be one that you need to ride through the summer with again because he'll probably give himself every opportunity to get the best deal available fingers crossed yeah I mean he he definitely like left me hanging a little bit last summer didn't he when he didn't really know what was going to go on and I think like you said I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me right he went for like uh, 800k or 900k oh was it as much as that yeah. okay I think so they might be looking to try and like recoup as much of that as possible maybe not quite as much because clubs will know that they need to sell and they'll get him at a cut price so maybe like you said like half a mil might do it um to get the money in the bank and like you said with the kick on of like a percentage of a, any of your future sale for him might be a good shout um but yeah I, I, he 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 showed flashes of promise in the season i think he's one of those players that if he can find himself playing in a team that is a little bit better off at the top end of the table he's one of those players he's not he's not that kind of like dogged box to box like ankle biter of a player is he 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 hangs back a bit sometimes almost looks lazy doesn't he in the way that he kind of like drifts around the pitch but He's one of them players that if you give him time on the ball, he will pick the pass. You know, he's he, he makes interceptions. He's that kind of player. He's not he's not winning loads of tackles in the games. He's winning like one, maybe two tackles a game. But in a better team, you know, in, in a Rangers, in a Celtic, in a Hearts, you know, whether I don't know, I don't think he moves to Rangers or Celtic personally, but maybe a Hearts or Hibs, like you said, or Aberdeen. I think in a team... Like Aberdeen this year have had Leighton Clarkson, who has been very, very good. I think he's on loan from Leicester. And I think uh, whoever he's on loan from, it may be in Liverpool, but it's something like that. Um, I think if, if he could play championship next season, I think he could be very good. The last really good Aberdeen player on loan was James Madison. And he's been not too bad, you know. So this guy is L15, is L5 or whatever, 64, Leighton Clarkson. And uh, he's been a real... I think he has a bit more... Um, tenacious than, than than Levitt, you know, for from what I've seen of him. But yeah. he does that role of playing in the centre of the pitch and stringing the passes and orchestrating the team, you know. Yeah. From what I've seen of him. Z Zalabanzi in the chat says, so kind of like a PLO Ericsson type deep playmate. I, I think that's quite a good... Obviously, he's not of that level. PLO's like legendary. But but yeah, I think Ericsson looks a lot like that for Man United as well. Sometimes you don't know what he's actually done on the pitch, but he only... He just needs to do it right in that five, 10 minutes of the game where you need to something to happen, you give it to Ericsson and he's got enough time to pick a pass. He will make the pass. And I think Levitt is like a, a slightly rougher version of that. Um, I don't think even like he's quite as dynamic with his passing as maybe, I think that's a part of his game. He does need to improve a little bit. Um, but maybe that was like from watching him at, at, at Dundee United, sometimes he's found his passes a little bit too sideways, but with the right runners in front of him, who knows what he's capable of. And then maybe I'm hoping as a holder that he does get a move and kicks on. And, you know, like you were saying, when a player gets relegated, do you sell him? I've always been one of them people that I'd rather just hold on because this, this is a, one of the only uniques I own as well. So it's like, if I sell him, I'm going to be selling him probably at a loss if I wanted to sell him now. Um, but, you know, I bought him 
to have utility for plenty of time in U23. And I do believe that he gets a move this summer. So all eyes will be on like where that move is. But like you said, Quinny, we might we might be like holding on to our seats right up to the end of the deadline day uh, to find out where he's going to move to because he might sit there and hold out for the best option. But it'll be an interesting saga to follow for me particularly. Um, got a lot of people in the chat, a lot of a lot of uh, Scottish fans talking about that, and I think a lot of us are expecting that move to happen. Um, I'm just trying to go up through the chat to see if there were any more shouts, Quinny. Have you spotted anything in the chat that uh, popped up as like potential U23s for next season? I've been trying to uh, keep on top of it. It's, it's been coming. It's been some great shouts, a lot of goalkeeper ones as well that we didn't really mention or whatever. Um, but probably the last thing I, I would probably say on on this kind of uh, thing as well is um, somebody asked, and you mentioned it as well, about keeping relegated cards or whatever. Mammal grew. I'll be keeping that unique. Then I think that when I bought that card, I knew I was going to be taking that to retirement. And it just feels like that's probably now basically the case. Even if he does play next year, I don't see him moving on. But um, I've still got my Tony. I'll keep Tony because I think Tony will probably stay and get top goal scorer and get them promoted and whatever, and then be back to fighting best um, if that's the way things are going to go out for him. So I'm quite happy to hold on to Tony and Charlie. Um, and I don't have any other ones really. But I think Levitt is a defo hold stitch. There's no two yeah. ways that. You know, like any teams they get really, and he probably wasn't signed with a relegation clause, really, because they were signing Stephen Fletcher, you know, and yeah. um, as he's Behitch, you know, Australian World Cup player, and you know, if you know, they, they made the you know, Dundee United tried to push the boat out, so I don't think somebody like Levitt would have got a relegation clause of like, you know, half in his wages or anything like that. Maybe you know, maybe there is. Who, what, what do I know? You know, but I think he's definitely a sellable asset that helps keep them afloat if they do need to hold on to. Like Mulgrews and Tonys, for example, yeah. you know, that aren't on like pennies. Um, and if they're going to be in the championship, losing huge because that drop off in Scottish terms is massive. You know what I mean? Not playing, uh, not playing the, the Glasgow teams that you know, a mm. half a dozen times a season between the two of them is huge revenue loss, you know. So they'll need to, in Levitt, just makes the most sense. They want people will want them, you'll be able to get the most amount of money of them. And from the existing squad to play the level they're at, they'll probably miss them the least in terms of impact on the pitch, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that we didn't touch on, and we haven't even spoken about this off-air, Quinny, so this would be a really interesting point um, before we close out for the week. But another thing that SoRare announced recently in one of their updates was that they were going to do these month-long competitions or or like longer. They did, I don't even know if they said month-long, but, you know, long longer competitions... Uh, what's your thoughts on that? And are you excited to potentially enter some of those and what the kind of like stra- strategic thinking behind those might be? I'm I, I, I'm excited for it. We need to see the format, but before we can get super excited, like is it going to be like deploy eight players and then select, you know, make your own draft kind of vibe, you know, and then every game week from the eight, pick your five or, you know, is it going to be submit five and forget about them for a month or... Is it going to influence, like, off you deploy the team in the monthly leaderboard, you can't play it in a game week, normal? Does it not matter? You know, so there's a lot of creases that will be coming from it. But when you look at that K-League special weekly, we never really quite touched on this as much as I would have liked to, um, just because there's so much going on at the moment. But that's a K-League special weekly that they're throwing out there because the K-League is needing some love, right? Uniques. I've just dropped out and came back, so I'm not sure if that yeah, was no, you or what was going on. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the kind of caliber of reward we could see in these monthly leaderboards, you know, is because they've been designing this reward pool for so long, I think, to accommodate so many more competitions and 
all that kind of stuff than we've had exposure to previously. And we're starting to see that now, dunk that in, and we're getting golden 270s K-League specials. We're going to see the monthly thing come out in the summer. They'll probably test drive it by MLS or something. And I think that'll give us a whiff of mm. what they're thinking and what they're doing. I don't think that'll be the I don't think that'll be the main event, but you know, I think it'll really turn on when we get to Europe coming back in. And there'll be monthly leaderboards maybe to mirror the what the progression we see from amateur to semi-pro or something, perhaps. But those leaderboards should be spicy, you know, in terms of prizes, what's yes. on offer. They did say cards, money, and more is what's on this, you know. So could be a juicy, juicy uh, prize pool to go after. But will it I'm be league specific? Sure. Will it be scarcity specific? Yeah. You know. I'm not sure if I read it, but I'm pretty sure they said that though you, any cards that you use in a monthly will still be usable in other competitions. So it won't be like an exclusive. But one thing I'd love to see is maybe a, you know, like if you're entering the monthly, you rather than like entering a sort of random team into it every week, I think you should have to pick a squad. I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast. I can't remember if it was you I was talking to. But, um, yeah, I think, like, you know, how we kind of go into, if we treat it a bit like how the common version of the game works, um, where you kind of pick an eight-player squad and you can make two substitutions out of that squad each week or swaps, but that has to be done within your own gallery rather than with the free cards where you can choose any player. And I would love to see a format like that adopted with the cards that you own. So a draft, like pick eight of your players to start the season and the season's like the next month or whatever. And then maybe you can make one swap per week. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see something like that um, be an interesting way to play the game. And just the idea of planning ahead for the fixtures, looking at the month ahead, working out what uh-huh. players you think are going to be used, what fixtures they've got, where they're likely to bang in the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, I'd love to see sort of like within that monthly month-long tournament that there still are maybe weekly prizes not necessarily like massive ones but it might be it might just be coins it might be you know it might be a card or it might be an extra swap or something like that little little things that make the gameplay a bit different so like oh you know like the top 100 finishers win win a card and the extra coins or i don't know like i'd be really interested to see how that affects prize pools from the other leagues and divisions while it's ongoing um and whether or not we'll have week to week rewards or if we just have one big one at the end of the month or season however long it is but i like it i think it's good that we're thinking of new game modes uh, you know it's always nice when it kind of gets your brain ticking a bit like the golden cap 270 did you know when there's a little something different to aim at and i think we've got that with the k league this weekend as well i think i've seen the guy that won golden 270 got de bruyne i think that may have been the super rare division somebody said something like that to me so just thought I'd throw that in there since you mentioned it. I did see, yeah, I saw someone, um, it might have been in the, I think in the limited division, the first place limited card was a really good one. And then the rare was like a Kimmich. It was like, <sighs> like they won like a really good limited card and the rare that they won was like a rare Kimmich in the limited division. So, and and that was a, it was a relatively small user as well. It wasn't like a, a big banger of a team, if I remember rightly. So if you were listening, if you're listening and that was you, congratulations. That is one hell of a card to win with limiteds. For sure. One of the best there. Uh so Yenaton says, uh so the oh yeah, the limited day one was Mbappe. Limited Mbappe and Rare Kimmich for the winning the 270 right. golden. So they so yeah. rare very much pushed the boat out for the prize pool in that. And I think like we said, you know, that we were really pleased with the prizes we got lower down the prize pool as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see just how good those were. I, I haven't looked at 
the rewards section on Sora data, but might have a little peruse of that after this is finished. I've got a wee midweek. I'm sitting 23rd at the moment, so cross my fingers and toes. That holds for Friday night, wee trophy day to kick off the weekend where we've got the final games in Spain and Italy, uh, as well as Champions League finals not too far away. We had oh, we had Europa League last night. They even mentioned yeah. any of that. Um, but then we're getting to, yeah, so, yeah, that's kind of, I think that's all I've got in the tank for this anyway, buddy. It's going to be a busy couple of days as well. Absolutely. And I uh, can't wait to hear how you get on in Vegas. Hopefully, uh, I get on better in Vegas than I did in uh, the midweek. So I think I'm not holding out for much end product before the week ends. But uh, fingers crossed, I come back from Vegas a little richer and hopefully a few so rare cards heavier for the end product over the weekend while I'm out there partying my life away. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to catching back up with you again next week, mate. Good luck for the game week. I'll be keeping an eye mostly on the FA Cup final. Um, I think it'll be about 7am out there while that's on. So I'll have a sore head and hopefully some breakfast uh, at that time. Be keeping an eye on that and fingers crossed we don't get a Haaland hat trick in the first half. Um, fingers crossed. Ian Sarrer says uh, 10 or on 23 stitch. So I'll take your advice on that. And uh, if it doesn't come in, I will be invoicing you, Ian. So, uh, yeah, we'll take that as financial advice. <laughs> Gang, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Uh, Quinny, always a pleasure. Great chatting to you, mate. And um, good luck, everyone, in the game week. Um, hopefully, I'll come back a bit more tanned next week on the podcast. Cheers, all. Like, subscribe, comment, all of that good stuff. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>